spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, happy Monday. Welcome to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. It was a bittersweet weekend in, in Cajun land, to say the least. Uh, softball, taking it to the limit in Baton Rouge. Baseball winning the Western Division and setting themselves up very nicely for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Um... There, there's some interesting things to talk about regarding an opposing team's crowd this weekend and and so much more. Once again, welcome to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, Josh Jagno join me. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Hello. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Hey, we got a lot to talk about tonight, so that's good. We do. Yeah. Um and, and you know what? Like, like I mentioned off the open, it was it was definitely a bittersweet weekend. Like I said, uh, the softball team in Baton Rouge for their NCAA regional. Like I said, taking taking it to the limit. Uh, they went to they went to a game seven, and I mean, nearly nearly pulled off an epic comeback in that game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Baseball winning the Western Division. Like I said, setting themselves up with the one seed in the conference tournament in Montgomery this weekend. You know, I'm, we're going to go ahead and start with that. Looking at the bracket, you know, the Sun Belt's doing an interesting thing this year with the pool play and then the bracket play into the weekend. Pool C is where the Cajuns lie, and they're sitting with Texas State and App State. Those two will play each other tomorrow. The Cajuns will play Texas State Wednesday and App State Thursday. This is where it's going to get interesting. If every team goes one and one, Cajuns get the tiebreaker. They advance to the bracket. However, here's a simpler way to look at it. If the Cajuns beat the winner of tomorrow night's game, they're in. Plain and simple. So let's talk about this. If you're Matt Deggs, let's hypothetically say, because Texas State is the better team, let's say Texas State wins that that Tuesday night game. Who do you pitch Wednesday night, and who do you make sure is in the batting lineup? And then I would I would also say I think the more interesting conversation is what do you think happens, and then what do you think what do you want to see happen? Yeah, I'm, I mean, again, like I said, what I think is going to happen is I think Texas State comes out on top in that in that Tuesday night game strictly because they're the better baseball team. Um, and that's no disrespect to App State. I think their baseball team's had a pretty solid season. It's just Texas State's got dudes. They do. Um, so when it comes down to it, when we play Texas State on Wednesday night, you know, I'm throwing a guy like Austin Perrin. You know, he he's kind of been in a he's been in a little bit of a rut the last couple weeks. He did not pitch well against uh, Texas State. He did get the, he did get a save against Arlington. But like I said, uh, he started a game against Texas State at the beginning of the month and he didn't pitch well. He hasn't pitched a solid performance longer than three innings in a month. 
Uh, he went five complete with no earned runs against McNeese on April 21st. So you, you, you've got a guy who I don't think his confidence is shot. I just think he needs a little bit of a pick-me-up, which is exactly what this type of game can provide him. So I think you tried out a guy like Austin Perrin, see what he can do for you. You know, see if maybe he can go four innings. It, it that's if it's a game that you have you have to win. I trust a guy like Austin Perrin or maybe even Jack Burke, a guy who has just been dominant in every outing that he seems to have this year, and has just kind of been MIA recently. Um, you know, there's speculation that's due to injury. They've the the program has been kind of quiet on that. So, you know, you never know. But and then from a hitting standpoint, God, I mean, you need Ben Fitzgerald to to be the alpha. You need him to do what he's done all year long. Uh, you need Drake Osborne to contribute like he has been. Um, and a, a guy that you need to make sure is in the nine that hasn't been lately is Brett Bergogna. You know, he's been he's been a clutch guy for you down the stretch. And the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been playing. Again, nobody really understands why. Program being kind of quiet about it, which is very skeptical and very concerning. But I, I think a guy like Borgie has to be in your starting lineup for a game that you have to win. Okay, I'll get started on the scenario for uh, tournament play. Uh, first of all, I think there are three candidates to start on Wednesday. And again, it depends on if Texas State wins or if they don't. And by the way, I think that Texas State winning benefits us, um, if only for the simple fact that we've seen them. You know, App State may not be the best team in the league, but we're not familiar with it. We haven't seen them. And we didn't see them last year. So I, I thought we were better than Texas State. I did not think we should have lost that series. Um, I think a, a couple of key moments kind of changed the entire face of that thing. But uh, I would not be upset if Texas State is the draw. If we if they do win and we play them, um, it's basically to advance, right? Like you said, Matt. And look, when Austin Perrin got to this school, we were playing in big game after big game. When Jack Burke got here, we hosted a regional. Uh, these guys know how to win. They know how to pitch. And they were both under the tutelage of Tony Robichaux. If I'm Deggs, my three options are AP, throw him out there, let him see what he's got. If he's rolling, ride him until he bucks you off. If it's not AP, maybe the lineup in the matchup is not exactly what he wants to see. I'm going Jack Burke. I'm going Jack Burke because, again, been in the fire. Guy knows how to pitch. He's not intimidated. Nobody's going to scare Jack. Jack's just going to go out and attack you. And, uh, you know, I mean, his MO is he's going to throw strikes. He's going to challenge you. And that's what I want to see on, on Wednesday. That, that as, a, as a supporter and somebody that understands uh, what's going on in this pool play thing, you know, where you literally have to win. I mean, you, you got to win. You got to win that game. So it's Jack for me. It's, it's AP or Jack. And, you know, thirdly, it's Dirk. Obviously, if you just look at the weekend, he didn't pitch. Um, he was good enough to be your opening day starter. So you would think that they'd have a little confidence left in him after, you know, what I called them breaking him during the USM series. But, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. And look, if they've lost confidence in him and maybe he's had a, a maybe a mental uh, struggle over the last few weeks and, and they don't think that, you know, he's the guy to run out because of that. Well, that, that may be. But uh, for me as a fan, I want to see AP or Jack 
I want to see how long they can go. And then you bullpen it. I think that gives us the best chance to win and then have our best set up on Saturday, Sunday to win a championship, which by the way, that's where, what we're in Montgomery to do because we want to go to regional. So you, I understand that you got to pitch to win and you have to win. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand that. We, we can't get too cute in our, in our approach. Uh, but on the mound, those are the two guys that I'm looking for. And offensively, I mean, it's very simple. We need three guys to hit. We need, we, you know, Deg said this, you know, a couple of months ago, we, we need three guys to hit going. Kimple, Fitzgerald, and Osborne. And obviously Osborne has held up his end of the deal. So uh, it's not that, that Kimple and Ben are just lost in the woods somewhere. I mean, I don't think they're that far off. Uh, but we, we got to get some protection in the middle of the lineup. We, we got to produce some runs. You know, Jay said the, the old adage is you pitch to a tournament, you hit through a tournament. Well, if that's the case, you know, we need to start hitting the baseball. Yeah, I, you know, I've um, we we've talked about this before. I, right now, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of what have what have you done for me lately? And <clears throat> I'm kind of going a little bit out of the ordinary when I say this, but I would honestly, depending on who wins, uh, if it's Texas State, I'd probably lean towards Connor Cook. Um, it's been about five days since he's pitched. He pitched Friday night, pitched another great outing against Troy. I know he's been sort of the hot hand right now on the mound. Um, but another thing about Connor Cook is that, look, the last time he pitched against Texas State, it was a 9 nothing shutout. He just shut him down. I mean, it, it was easy. And then, of course, we saw what happened the other two games against Texas State. Didn't look so pretty. Unfortunately, Austin was on, you know, Austin was on the other side of one of those games. And actually, that was really the last game he played uh, more than an inning. Uh, since then, he's had one appearance. And, of course, he had one appearance against Southern, but the game was canceled after the, you know, the bottom of the first inning. So, he re- we really didn't get to see much. Um, I, I say Connor, and I know, you know, the, a lot of fans are going to go, well, why would we waste an arm? Well, the reality is in this particular uh, pool play, the winner of tomorrow night's game, when they face us, that's basically our single elimination. We have to win that game. If we win that game, whether it's against App or Texas State, you know, if, if, if someone like Connor can go in there and do his job that we know he can do, shut him down, we automatically advance to the semis regardless of what happens to the other game in the pool. The other game in the pool, if we take care of business against a team that we that wins tomorrow night between Texas State and App, I just pitch the bullpen. Heck, I, I would start Chipper Menard. You know, let him pitch. I, okay. I would just play anybody. You know, so, um, so let's play devil's advocate here. Say, say you tried out Connor Cook Wednesday night, and he gets he gets you the win. So you move on to Saturday. Who do you pitch Saturday? I go with Spencer. Okay, I go with either Spencer, either Spencer. Say, I actually, actually, I would go with either Spencer. Or Carter. Okay, so let's say let, let's say Degs goes Spencer, because the, in this situation Saturday is probably the closest you're going to get to a Friday night. So let's say he trots out his Friday night guy, and Spencer throws a gym like he always does. Get to the championship game. Who starts the championship game? Well, now you can go between Perrin and Carter. You see, and, and this is this is no knock whatsoever on either one of these guys. They're both stand-up individuals, great players. You know, I, I could talk all day. I don't want either one of them starting a championship game. Okay, here's the thing. And come I, in relief, and you know, come in relief all you want to. I don't want either one of them starting a championship game. And so, you know, you brought up a good point about um, Austin and Carter. And look, I understand it. I understand where you're coming from. And that's, that's a huge concern. But granted, 
that's what we see because what we see is, you know, we look at our, our, our pitching rotation and we're deep, but we also see that, you know, I understand that there's some pitchers who have had some, not, not some good, some bad outings. Right. I think what makes a difference between us and the other teams is that if you take Spence Arrogetti, Connor Cook, Carter Robinson, Hayden Dirk, uh, Austin Perrin, Jack Burke, you know what they all have in common? They've all started weekend games. Now, granted, I think Jack started game four of the series against Coastal, so I don't think that really counts. But all those pitchers I just named have weekend starting experience sometime while they've been at UL. And I think what one advantage that we have with that is the fact that, yes, I agree with you, maybe they might not have the experience, championship experience, but being in the Sunbelt Conference, we have the deepest like rotation. No matter who we play, now granted, I'm a knock on wood that, to hope that we get to that point where we, we can talk about this, I don't know any team in the Sun Belt that has that type of depth. So whoever we face in the championship, if we get there, they're going to have the same problem, if not a worse problem than we are, because they're going to, they might be pitching somebody who's never started a weekend series or, or a weekend game or played or going that far. So I, you know, I just, I just feel like right now, if you look back at 2013, the 2013 regional, uh, that was when the Cajuns were the, the two seed in Baton Rouge. Um, we played Sam Houston. We set Austin Robichaux out the first night. What happened? We lost to him, you know? And I just feel like because of the situation and the, and the, the way this pool is set up, you know, the winner of tomorrow night's game, that's our single elimination matchup, whether it's Wednesday or Thursday. We have to get past that round. And if you get past that round, you can rest up for Saturday. I just feel like getting past this first round, just take care of business, win that game. If you have to pitch Connor, pitch Connor win the game and then get ready for, for Saturday. But I don't think, I do personally think that we, we will be pretty deep if we get to the championship round, whether, whether it's Perrin or Carter, they have more experience than I think any other team in the conference, even if it is a championship game, because they do have significant weekend experience uh, in a Cajun's uniform. So what if you do this? Well, let's talk about this. Okay. So Connor's going to be eligible to pitch Wednesday due to it being five days rest. Okay. However, I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking from a from a mind of a coach here. I want to be able to use him again at some point this weekend. So, what if you know Deg and Degs likes to do this? What what if you put Cook Wednesday night on an inning limit? You know he doesn't throw more than he doesn't throw more than three or four innings. You get you get yourself set up, and then the bullpen can finish the job, and then he could maybe come back Sunday. Well, the rule is this: the rule is pretty simple, and Coach Roby used to talk about it all the time. For every every pitch you pitch, that's one hour's rest. So if he can get no more than forty pitches in, and he takes care of business, right? That that that's what, I'm, what that's what do. I'm saying. If he I mean, if he could, or even or even even fifty, because I mean, think See, about I'll it be, from Wednesday, from Wednesday to Sunday, that's four days. He has ninety six hours. He can throw ninety six pitches. And still come back. And here's Sunday. the thing. I, I'm not, look, I'm not saying pitch. Like, honestly, I think it depends on which team wins too. Well, and, and I, I, I agree. I, that, that's, that's a huge factor. Because I, I wouldn't pitch Connor against App State. I wouldn't. I would go with, like you said, I would go with Austin or Carter there. But because we know that Texas State can beat us and the way they did beat us, especially, right. I hate to say it, but when AP was on the mound the first time against them, no, I mean, he got pulled out. 100%, after three 100% he, he pitched three, three to runs. third. Yeah, so so that's what I mean. I mean, look, against Texas State, we know they can hit. Okay, they knocked off Arrogetti. I mean, we all know what happened there. They knocked out AP. 
knocked him off the mound as well. I would just rather play some. I mean, and look, we all saw what Connor did. Like I said, nine nothing shutout. He pretty much took care of business. I would rather play somebody against Texas State like Connor, who we know could beat him. Whereas App State, no disrespect to App State, but I just don't think App State. Like I think Texas State's going to win tomorrow night. That's my personal opinion. I, I agree, but here, but yeah, I I, I want to make this point real quick while we're talking about App State. App State makes me more nervous than Texas State does. I wouldn't underestimate them. They're, App, they're State, the, make, like App State makes me more nervous for the simple reason that Josh said earlier. You have no no clue what they're going to bring to the table. You have no idea. I agree with that. Sure. But I At think least, Texas State talent wise, Texas is State Texas State's a better team, no question. But I, yeah. I and and Josh said this earlier too. I think I think the an advantage to playing Texas State, we know our, our hitters know their pitchers, our pitchers know their hitters. I, I I think it's just one of those and and you know that that's a double edged sword because vice versa they know us, but at the same time I just I feel like you're more of at an at an advantage. If you can play a familiar opponent in a situation like this. Well, Josh, actually, Josh, let me ask you real quickly. So you mentioned about how you would play Jack or uh, Austin. And then I think it was somebody else you mentioned that you would pitch the first Dirk. game. Dirk. Dirk. How would, would that change based on whether or not it's Texas State or App? Absolutely. If Texas State loses in the game that we absolutely have, to win is Thursday. I'm pitching Dirk on on Wednesday because yeah. I might need Dirk. I agree. In a regional, I agree. I need to find some confidence, and he needs to find some confidence. So I'm throwing Dirk on Wednesday, and yeah, then I'll you, you, could, you could throw him in a game that does not matter. He has no pressure it, on him. That's, that's absolutely right. He he has no pressure. He can go out there and just throw the ball. And yeah, at that yeah, point, absolutely. Here's the thing. At that point, Austin Perrin look, is still available. Jack's available. My bullpen is ready to go. And here's another thing. At that point, Spencer Arigetti's on a weak rest. Yep. Under no circumstance, and I'm telling you because B.J. Ryan, BJ Ryan is, is a rogue guy. I just don't see you seeing Connor. He's not coming out on Wednesday. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And I don't think it needs to happen. He, we, we are by far the best pitching team in this conference. I know what happened to Spencer on that Friday. I know what happened to AP. I know what happened to some of those guys in the back of the bullpen. That's not happening again. I'm sorry. In fact, the fact that it already happened gives me some confidence that they're not going to do it again. They're not going to do it to AP tonight. They're damn well not going to do it to Spencer again. And you know what, Josh, I'll agree with you to an extent. I think the pitching, and we've seen it over the past nine games, the pitching has been spot on, um, you know, last week in Arlington, this week against the Troy. Bullpen, really, the bullpen really has pulled been- through getting better and better and better guys like Dane guys like Blake Marshall, these guys, I mean, look, Chipper Menard has solidified himself as a bona fide option on a Friday, Saturday. I mean, he's yeah. good. He did well on Saturday. I think what concerns me though, is the, the, the bats. Um, I just don't know which bat, which, like you said, you got to hit your way through a, tur- uh, a tournament. I just don't know if we have the bats right now. You know, and look, we could turn it on. If if we hit the ball like in game three against Arlington, that second game last Saturday where they just got the timely hits and started scoring runs and rallying, they, same thing with game three against Little Rock. I'm feeling good, but I just don't know if that, that – I don't know if there's a lack of consistency there or just 
you need the pitching to back that up because if the bats don't hit, you need the pitching. And I just don't, I hope they don't have, we don't pitch somebody who just gives up four or five runs because that's been our Achilles heel all season. We can't catch up to that. That's been, that's my really my biggest concern. I'll take it a step further. This team is not going to hit their way through a tournament. This team has to pitch their way through a tournament. I understand old adages, but there's been plenty of teams that have pitched their way through tournaments. This has to be one of them. I, I just don't think, I, I just don't think we are, are, we don't have the firepower to do it. I just don't see it. We can show glimpses, but that's not who we are. That's not, that's not our strong suit. I think we have to pitch. I think that's the only way it works. Um, and I'll say another thing, you know, we finally are starting to see some consistency in the field. CJ at first, I don't know how long we've been saying that, uh, you know, moving TR to third has really solidified the left side. We've been stronger up the middle. Now about look, Bobby's starting to hit the baseball, but he's doing some goofy stuff. Still at short doesn't, and I, I don't love that, but I think with this new alignment, I think we're stronger up the middle. And that's what we've said all year. We've got in order to play better defense, we've got to be stronger up the middle. We've done that. We've said that the bullpen has got to live up to their billing. We've done that. We're still not hitting consistently. And I think that's going to be, that's really the question with this team. Now, the last thing I'll say about the pitching and the pitching decisions, Tony Robichaux, God rest his soul. I know he's not here anymore, but he brought in Scott Doman, Andy Grove, and he sat him down and he said, Scott, I'm throwing Andy because we didn't come here to get to Saturday. We came here to win a championship. And I think the conversation is similar this week. You go to AP and you say, hey, you go to Jack and you say, hey, we're here to win a championship. I need you to get me to Saturday. And then you drop the big guns. That's my opinion. I think BJ is going to ride like that. And I think Degs might listen to him. Well, it's a risk. And, and I'll say this. I do agree with, I do agree in the fact that I think they can get it done. Um, and you're right. We're gonna, you basically said it. We might have to pitch our way through, uh, but I'll say this, the game against, whether it's against app or, or Texas state, whoever wins tomorrow night, when we play that the winner of tomorrow night's game, if we do that and we get AP or Jack to start and they get the job done, I'm telling you, the odds for us to win this thing, this whole thing, goes way, way up. Because now you got Arigetti, now you got Cook, now you got Robinson. Now, I mean, look, I, Mike, I'll tell you this. You get past that first game, you beat the team that one wins tomorrow night without Cook or Arigetti or any of those guys, I'm feeling really good. And really good. that's the play because we have – I'm just telling you, we have to pitch to win. And if – I don't think Deggs is scared to run out an AP. And honestly, I don't really care how, how he's pitching right now. He's the type of guy that he, you know what he is? He's Brennan Bro. Brennan Bro was hitting like 260. They stuck him in the two hole and said, hey, we need you to get us going. And the kid's hitting 320 now. Yeah. Some guys thrive in a situation where they have the responsibility on their shoulders. AP's a guy like that. Jack's a guy like that. And we know that because we've seen them do it. This is not, you know, we're not guessing. We've seen that. We've seen AP pitch in the postseason. We've seen Jack turn in amazing performances in the postseason. So that's why I believe that in order for us to win the tournament, we have to get through the week without using Cook and Arigetti. Yeah, yeah you I know, agree. With that. I, I don't. I don't disagree whatsoever. Um, which is why you know I, I said you try, you try a guy like Austin Parent or Burke or Dirk or any any of those guys. I think I think are viable options for 
your must-win game during hey, Matt, the week. And I'll say this as well. If we lose with Jack on the mound, our AP on the mound, then, I won't say a thing. Nope. Because that's what I would have done. I can ride with those guys. Will and not. I can take an L and be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, if, if we lose, we lose. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. But here's, here's one thing I want to talk about. And, you know, th- this episode is going to have multiple Rage and Review rants. I, I can tell you right now, it's going to have multiple of them. And this one is number one. The Sunbelt Conference announced conference awards for baseball today. And Hayden Arnold of Arkansas Little Rock was named conference pitcher of the year. Which, you know, I don't, I, I take that back. I outright disagree with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I 100%, I was about to say I don't disagree. I 100% disagree with it. Um, I took the liberty of comparing the stat lines of Hayden Arnold and the stat lines of Connor Cook. Let's let's have a conversation. Hayden has pitched seven more innings. Seven, okay? He also has allowed 27 more base hits in those is seven innings. Is this in innings. conference or overall? This is overall. Okay. He has also allowed four more runs. Nine more earned runs. Hayden's ERA is .81 higher than Connor's. And he has given up two more home runs than Connor. The only thing that he has less than than Connor. Let me make let me make sure I'm I'm right on this before I throw that statistic out there. Yeah. Connor has eight more strikeouts. To f- to further drive home the point, Connor Cook has eight more strikeouts on the year than Hayden Arnold. How many games? Both pitched the same amount of games? Um, let's see. Or just appearances. Yeah, how many appearances? Appearances, innings pitched, whatever you want to use. And then also I would like to see what their whip, uh, what the comparison for whip. Okay, so in 2021, Connor played 20 games, started 11. Um, oh, sorry, that's hitting statistics. Hold on. Innings pitched is probably easiest comparison. Innings pitched, 120 and a third. For Hayden Arnold? No, that's for Connor. For Connor? 120 and a third. No, that's not right. That's, hold on. 2021, 75. 75 innings, and then Hayden, yeah, Hayden pitched 82 innings. So seven more, Hayden pitched 70, Hayden pitched seven more innings than Connor Cook. So basically one more game. Right. And has given up 27 more base hits. The only the only explanation I have, we all knew Hayden Arnold was good coming into the season. He was he the, he's been a Friday night well, guy yeah, all season, he, right? He he bounced us yeah. he bounced our ass around. His name. And then the name, the name recognition. That I think that's the only thing that kicked. Because remember, Connor Cook was a midweek starter going into this season. He wasn't even the weekend starter. He actually solidified his weekend start after the coastal game when he closed out coastal and they moved him to Saturday, which he's pretty much <laughs> outside of UTA has been dominant every game. I'm sorry. Um, even did, in the did, loss did, Little Rock. I'm, I'm sorry. Did Hayden Arnold throw a complete game two hit shutout? Did Hayden he Arnold? Did, did Hayden Arnold pitch eight and two thirds of a gym and was only pulled because he walked a guy? He did not. But, and I'm not saying it's right because I disagree with it too. I think Connor got shafted. That's just my opinion. But 
Then yeah. I think Hayden Arnold just has the name did, that goes did, with did, him. Did, did, Connor, the only did Connor not pitch a nine nothing seven inning gym against the number two seed? I mean, against one of the teams in our pool in this conference tournament? No, yeah. he didn't. I I I agree. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it sounds like he had a good case. Uh, but I, I will say this. I have a little bit different take on it. If I'm BJ Ryan, I'm walking right over to her, right over to Connor. And I'm saying, you know, you know, this conference doesn't think you can pitch, right? Bulletin board material. Oh yeah. 100%. Absolutely. And I 100%. Absolutely. So, you know, while we're, while we're on the topic of Connor cook, let's have another conversation about this young man because you know, in, in Cajun Nation, he's just been the topic of conversation. He is technically a sophomore this year. However, I think he has gotten a lot of attention from some MLB scouts. Does Connor Cook return to Russo Park next year? On pecan, in my view. Jerry, what about you? I think it's 50-50 right now. I think he's got all the mechanics necessary to get drafted. Um, is he a top 20-round pick? Probably so. Uh, it depends, and it's going to go back to everybody else. What kind of money are they going to offer him? Uh, what kind of upside does he have from the scouts? Obviously, they see a lot in him right now. Um, and I'm assuming this draft's going to be a normal you know, 40-something rounder, right? No, nope. I think it's 20, 20 It's only 20 rounds. It's yeah, 20, so it, okay. Yeah, so that's where – that's. That works to our advantage to get him back because, again, you know, they're going to be a lot more limited on who to pick up. And, yeah, and look, I, think, I, think pitcher, a, I think in a 20-round draft, I think if he's not in those top 10 rounds, I, I don't I don't see the upside to going pro at that point. Well, keep in mind, juniors typically have the leverage because they can return to school. He's a draft-eligible sophomore, so he still has that, that leverage that, you right. know, a junior typically would have. So right, right. it actually helps him to make some money. And all you got to do is look over to the scout area every time he starts and you can see just how much interest mm-hmm. there is. So, you know, and I sat with his parents this weekend and it, that never came up and they seem to think that Lafayette's just the best and they know, you know, they told us that he really likes it here. So that helps, but I mean, he's just going to have a business decision to make. And yeah, I, I think he's good enough. And I think somebody's going to pay him to go play pro baseball. Yeah. I think it's, I think every, and everybody's different in that case. Right. So, it, you know, if he has a certain amount in his mind that he wants, if it, if it matches what he wants, he's going to go like anybody would. Um, I don't know what is, we I mean, none of us really know what his amount is. Um, but look, there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, in 20 rounds, it's a, you have a small window there this time around. So again, I think that can work to our advantage selfishly. Right. I mean, I think, if he's not drafted in the top 10, top 15 rounds and the money's not there, I think he will stay another year. Now, granted, next year, on the other hand, keeps doing what he's doing, you can kiss him goodbye. But this year, I'm still kind of 50-50. I, I don't know if he, he'll stay or go because I just think it, there's so many factors associated with it, especially him just being a sophomore. Then, um, Josh, I do agree with you. I do think there is more upside for that to make some money, but he's still got another he, – he has another year to develop. I mean, look, again, going into the season – he wasn't even a weekend guy. Heck, people were people, when he started against LSU in the fifth fifth game of the season. 
people were going, oh, geez, why the starting Connor Cook? You know, he hadn't shown me much. Right. And then now we're sitting here wondering if he's going going to the draft. Well, you I know, mean, you so know, the other the how other, much has changed. It's been amazing how the, much he's, he's improved over the years. The, the other thing, and I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate once again, because it's just my favorite damn thing to do. Another year to develop is also another year to end his career. It's so why not? Take. So why not go get paid first? I think it just depends on. What I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I don't care what kind of round I'm getting drafted in. If a if a if a team's gonna throw me, you know, three hundred k or higher, I'm going. Well, as as a twenty something as a twenty something year old, I'm taking three hundred k and going. He's, he's gonna, gonna make to, a whole lot more than that. And and it really depends on where he goes. I mean, look, if he's not drafted in the top ten, the top fifteen rounds, he might not get that three hundred k. I don't know. I mean, it just you know we're not. You have to keep this in mind as well. Because the the round uh, the uh, draft has shrunk, you know the rounds have been shrunk. There's more slot money available. Yep. So he can go in the 19th round and get, a, you know, round 10 slot money. That has also been turned upside down. So there's more money. You know, Craig said this best. I like the way he said it. He said those filler guys that get drafted between you know round 20 and 35. They're staying in school, but these guys that are really legitimately pros, there's more money because the fillers are not getting paid. So they're throwing more mm-hmm. money at these guys to get them in the system as soon as they can, especially because of, you know, all the craziness that's been going on the last two years. You know, well, will they, imagine, throw him, imagine, will they throw him the money? Imagine the Dodgers not being able to scout the last year and a half. You know what I mean? So their scouting reports and their information on guys around the country is – a year and a half behind. So they got to jump on guys when they think that they can pitch or they can hit or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, it's just about the money amount, man. It's how much will he take? Um, okay. So let, let's play, let's play, <laughs> I mean, let's, play, let's play this game. Let's play this game right here. Where if, if Connor cook goes to the draft, realistically, where do you see him landing? In what round? Uh, I'd probably go between 15 and 20 right now. I have absolutely no idea. It all depends on who falls in love with you, man. Okay, well, I'll tell you you this. According to BaseballAmerica.com, the slot value of the final pick of the 10th round, pick 310, which is going to the Astros, is... Oh, I'm sorry. This is the 2020 draft. Never mind. Those numbers... That's okay. So give us some insight. Okay, so the the last pick of the 10th round would be $140,000. Hmm. Doesn't matter though. Again, slot money is upside down and it all depends on what, like say the St. Louis Cardinals have X amount of picks. They trade a few picks. They, they, you know, they miss on a few guys. They're going to give slot money where they see fit. They can give a fifth rounder a quarter of what they think, you know, uh, uh, the fifth round uh, pick is worth and draft a guy like Todd Lott who got way above his slot money. You know what I mean? It's a it's a money game within the organization at that point. Yeah, but that I mean, is interesting. Look, look look at look at Cantrell. I mean, Cantrell reaped the benefits of it being only a five round draft. Yeah, he did. He was he was he was a fifth round pick, which this past year was the last round of the draft, and he walked out with around three hundred and forty thousand dollars. I still think with Connor right now, uh, it's fifty fifty. But 
I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. Speaking of He's Hayden, good enough. Speaking of Hayden Cantrell playing for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, don't you, don't you just love minor league baseball? Oh gosh! And the the crazy the crazy mascots like the Rocket City Trash Pandas, <laughs> the Montgomery Biscuits, the Savannah Bananas. Oh gosh, guys! Their Friday night uniforms it's all yellow, top to bottom. Ugh. It's a thing to see. Anyways. Josh, I know speaking when we're talking about Rage and Review Rants, I know you have one. You had a interesting encounter with some uh with with some Troy fans this weekend. What happened? <laughs> well, it's not much of a rant. I just Okay, so story time. Uh Thursday afternoon, we get to the ballpark and there was nobody there. Uh and, and the crowd filled in a bit. But there was really uh, you know this is going to be important for the story when I come back to this, but the crowd was not good. First pitch goes that. off. First pitch goes off. You know, I forget exactly what happened, but the, just a group of obnoxious jackasses start hooting and hollering. And I was, I was like, God, is section a moved down to the cabaret tables. Like what's, what's going on here? What's the noise? And of course it was Troy fans. Right. So no, I was good. Three hours I listened to this. Three hours I listened to this obnoxiousness. I didn't say anything. I didn't turn around. I, you know, I went about my business. I watched the ball game. And, you know, obviously they scored some runs and we were fighting back the whole way. But, boy, they just, they knew they were going to beat us that night. So they just, it just got worse and worse as they drank more and more. Well, um, at one point, this guy in a Troy shirt and a hat walks up to the Screen and starts hollering at Drake and the ump. And I mean, just, he was upset. So I, I politely, you know, you guys know, I'm very polite, very mild mannered. Uh, I look over to this young gentleman and I say, you know, you can just go ahead and have a seat, son. And apparently, you know, I cussed his mother out. Uh, <laughs> he turned around and he did the old, you know, two fingers pointed toward the eyes and then pointed at me. And, you know, that's just, that's really just not something that should ever happen. So I let him know that this is my house and I'm going to say whatever the hell I want to say. And you're just going to go sit down over there. Well, that turned into an all out brawl. We had old men wanting to fight me, especially guys in Trump hats. It was tough, tough scene. Uh, it was unnerving to say the least. And uh, the Cajun guys that had been sitting down there with us in the Supreme Rice, the box area, you know, they had also been listening to this crap for three hours. So they started barking back. Uh, and then, you know, without giving too many details, the sheriffs got involved and people had to be separated and a couple guys got thrown out of the building. Well, I thought this happened because of us. I have, I've since learned that I can't take any credit for this, but as soon as we all sat down from that kerfuffle, uh, Rock hit a two-run shot and flipped his bat. <laughs> well, they they did not like that at all. So, you know, a little bit more of an uprising, and we hollered and screamed a little bit louder, and, you know, felt it felt like, you know, we got a little more electricity in that bottom area, which was cool, but, my God, they were obnoxious. The fan base was obnoxious. The players barking and screaming at the umps. The coach was a total tool. 
uh, I think they're a good ball club and I thought they were a solid team and it was a, a really good series of I mean, it really was. I, I thought both teams played really well all weekend, but I think it should be pointed out that Troy is just the worst, just the worst. And the funny thing is on Saturday on the Saturday game, I went back down and I was with Catherine. So I really had to be good. And we were sitting down there and uh, I see the, the guy that pointed at me, you know, the whole thing. So he looked, you know, he made a comment about, hey, you know, you're back. You gave me the, the night off last night. And I said, yeah, I see you guys showed up and got your ass kicked. And that's how that conversation started. And uh, anyway, him and I ended up talking it out and uh, he, he ended up being OK and it was fine. But uh, he was charting pitches for Troy. <laughs> the guy that wanted to step outside was charting <laughs> pitches. <laughs> so, you know, that ought to tell you the level of pettiness, which I'm here for, by the way, I'm, I'm with the pettiness. But it was just worth that story was definitely worth telling. Well, to add on to that, and I, I, uh, I didn't, I, you know, I know you were sitting at the bottom. I was sitting up top. First of all, I, I have to admit, and I, I have to kind of give credit. I, I thought Troy did a great job traveling. Um, well, look, when you don't show they, up they, to the game, when you don't, when your crowd doesn't show up to the game or buy their tickets or sit in their damn seats, we deserved it. We deserve but it. And that's actually, why I sat there for three hours and shut up because we deserve it. But they it. actually brought some fans. But what stuck out to me was they were loud, but they're, like you said, they're players, man. Because I sat with Section A on Thursday night. And actually, the Section A guys, we actually, they went to, for the first time this year, they actually went sit in Section A for the last couple of innings. Man, three or four of their players for Troy, when they got that final out, just turned around all the way up to Section A and just smirked at them and just waved to them and did everything. And you know, it was funny because they kind of got quiet after the last two games. So, uh, you know, it, it created a great atmosphere as a whole. I know Thursday night, like you had said, Josh, it, it was a horrible atmosphere. I mean, nobody was there. But Friday and Saturday, shout out to Cajun Nation. It felt like the old team that we're used to. Um, very impressive, very loud. And I it actually gets me excited for next year. It's a shame this was our last homestand. But, um yeah, it was it was great, but interesting story. I, you can actually see it on TV. I remember seeing it on the rerun. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, Troy sucks. Plain, plain and simple. Troy is just irrelevant. We'll take a break here. We weren't talking very much on Saturday and Friday. I tell you that. <laughs> we'll take a break here on Rage and Review, and when we come back. We will recap the Baton Rouge Regional for the softball program, and what comes next in 2022 for Jerry Glasgow and company. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back on Region Review. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! 
Acadiana business owners. Are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, Josh Yagno. We're now going to talk about the Baton Rouge Regional from this past weekend, number 18, Louisiana being the number two seed in this regional to the seventh national seed LSU, along with McNeese and George Washington. Uh, game number one in this regional was LSU and McNeese, and LSU absolutely demolished them 10 to 2, run rule in the fifth inning. Uh, and then afterwards came the Cajuns and the Colonials. Of, of George Washington and gentlemen, this game went on a lot longer than it needed to. Um, it was an 11 inning ball game. Um, the Cajuns didn't manage to score a run until the bottom of the 11th, although they had eight hits on the day. You know, the, the looking at the stat lines of the individual players, obviously any fan that, that followed softball this weekend knows that Carly Heath delivered the RBI double to to win the ball game on a uh, um with, with Sophie Piscos coming around to score. The concerning thing for me at the end of the night Friday was looking at the stat line of Sierra Bryan going one for five. When you were the Sunbelt player of the year, and there's no no doubt about it, this team's leading hitter this year, one for five in game one of a regional is just absolutely unacceptable. Well, she made up for it after because she uh, she got a few big-time knocks against LSU in all three games, <clears throat> got one or two big hits against McNeese. But, yeah, I, I, it's funny because I was at the baseball game Friday night, and um, I actually started watching the softball game before I left because the first pitch was, I believe, at 540, and baseball was at 6, and I live pretty close to the stadium. And, um, you know, while I was there uh, at the baseball game, I was watching it on my phone, and trying to watch a few highlights, getting updates on Twitter and stuff while watching the baseball game. And I just remember it was summed it up for me was the fact that baseball, uh, it was such a quick game. I think it was like two hours and 20 minutes. And in spite of softball starting 15 minutes before baseball or 20 minutes before baseball, uh, we were actually 
uh, hanging out by the cooking club after the baseball game was over, celebrating the game winning hit by Carly Heath. And there were a few instances while we were, while I was in the stadium, I think, or while at the baseball game, I think like in the seventh inning of the baseball game, I believe that's when the Cajuns had, or the softball team had bases loaded and Alyssa Dalton hit that line drive to first base and they, uh, George Washington, George Washington turned two. And I just remember thinking to myself, because I was sitting with one of my friends and we were both getting updates. I just looked at him and said, you know, we might actually find a way to lose this game because when, when, and, and, and you guys know this, Josh, you were a baseball player. When you give, when you have that many opportunities, when you have eight or nine hits, when you leave 10 people on left on base and you can't score, usually that luck turns over and makes a 180 against you. And sometimes you end up losing a game, one, nothing, two, nothing, two to one. And really, I hate to say it, but I felt like we were were on our way there. Um, Luckily, I thought, um, luckily, I I thought Kendra Lamb just pitched lights out uh, the first, what was it? Six, six innings, I believe. And then yeah, six, um, six complete one hit, seven Ks, uh, 74 pitches. And Summer came in and just finished the job off. Another gem of a performance by her. Um, wish the weekend could have ended a little bit better for Summer, but that game, it, it really, you know, she showed her full her full potential. Um, it was just one of those games, man, where it's like you, we almost won it. We almost gave it to them, basically. But luckily, we were able to hold, hold just enough in the 11th for Carly to come in and get that base hit. But we've had, we had a few opportunities to win that game, and it seemed like we just... We just didn't want it, and George Washington was able to fight back, but very glad we were able to get that win that night. So with that victory, the Cajuns were able to go to semifinal Saturday to play LSU, and, you know, I think this was one of those games where it was over before it truly got started. Um, You know, just right there in that first inning, LSU. So we, we opened the game with a leadoff homer from Sierra Bryan to make it well early one nothing lead for the Cajuns. And then shortly after, I mean, in the bottom half of the first, LSU erupts for five runs. Summer goes two-thirds of an inning, gives up seven hits, five runs, only struck out one batter. Uh, she went through the entire order in those two-thirds of an inning. Uh, in route to the to the to the quick loss and it just you know it didn't get any better from there the Cajuns were able to get a run in the second and a run in the fifth but the cage the Tigers had two in the second one in the fourth and two more in the sixth before winning the game 10 to 3 17 hits for the Tigers uh, Shelby Sanceri seven innings pitch she gave up eight hits three earned runs walked one struck out four uh, just just a great performance for for her, you know, just to limit the damage from from this powerful, you know, Cajuns offense. And you know, it, it's been it's been the thing her entire career. LSU has been Summer Ellison's kryptonite. It, it has been since the day she walked onto campus, um, and it was just something that sadly she can never get over. Yeah, I really don't want to talk about this game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, that that no, I'm good. I have a question about the game. Okay, 
it came out later. I don't know how much later I heard this in the post game, but summer had a sore shoulder. Did that come from the first LSU game? Well, or that was she already well, nursing. Well, we, we were, shoulder? we were, we were just talking about the first LSU game. Yeah, um, I understand that. But, but going into that game, did she have a sore shoulder? I didn't hear anything about that. Um, and, the, and the reason why I asked the question that, is because, you know, since Jerry's been here, Jerry Glasgow's been here, we've talked about pitching depth and developing pitchers, pitchers. And, you know, we had a little bit of drama with uh, Coach Roberts and all this stuff. Uh, Kendra, Kendra Lamb came out and blew LSU away in the game, too. You know, well, let's, let's backtrack for a second. Because well, well, before I, I, okay. I get you off the rails here, I'm just saying, if you know you're dealing with a shoulder, and look, I understand that she's your senior leader, and she's, I, I get all that stuff. If she's not 100%, and you thought Kendra could do anything close are, to what she did. Why are you even pitching summer to, to begin with? Why didn't Kendra yep. get the game one start? I'm just curious about that. Maybe you guys some, can shed some light. Well, uh, you I, know, I, I didn't understand the move. One, one, one thing, one thing I want, I want to ask is, you know, you, you brought up the controversy with, with Mike Roberts. I, I had heard that he, he was no longer with the program, but yet if He's I, re- not. but yet if I remember correct, well then enlighten me on this, who was the guy standing next to Jerry Glasgow all weekend? I have absolutely no idea. If that wasn't Mike Roberts, then who the hell was it? I don't know. Because in ninety percent of camera shots that Jerry Glasgow is featured in, if you look to his, it would be his left. There was a, there was an assistant coach, a male assistant coach standing next to him. It wasn't him because he's he's gone. You see, that's that's what I had thought. That's why I was. I mean, little, I, I, look, I, at this point, I, I don't know. I have no idea. That's, what, that's I, why I was I, a little confused. But you know, anyways, you know, Josh, to, to answer your, your question about Summer's short sore shoulder, I don't know if that's necessarily necessarily the case because she came back Saturday night and pitched a five inning, four hit, no run, seven K game against Magnese. Stevie mentioned it. I saw it mentioned on the social the social sites after the game. As and as much of a as much of a softball fan and as much of a general Cajuns fan I am, it sounds like an excuse for a poor performance to me. And and you you guys are more plugged into softball than I am. Because how how does she have a, how does she have a sore shoulder but yet comes back two and a half hours later and throws seventy one pitches? I, I guess. I mean, just looking at it rationally, I don't want my senior going out like that. If it was. Even mildly, you know, like you could call a sore a shoulder. It could be sore. The way that they pitch, it could be sore for a day. I sit down, boom, you're good to go. That's why I asked the question if it was something that was nagging, if it was going into the tournament, if you guys knew anything about that. But I will say this. I didn't know that she pitched against McNeese. McNeese is not LSU, but at the same time, if it was bad enough to cause right. real pitching problems for that, you know, that loss. Yeah, no, she pitched, she pitched 71 pitches against McNeese. And then Kendra Lamb came in for the save. Yeah, well, and so then well, you I think good I, I, going into the weekend before all of this even began, I've spoken to a, a few 
big softball benefactors, a few big softball fans. And I like to do that leading up to a regional because I like to get their, get their input of what they think on our, about our chances. And all three of them who I spoke to said the same thing about summer. She came back to win a national title. She came back to go to Oklahoma city. And so I just don't think there was anybody else who would have gotten the start going into that second or that LSU game after, or that, the going into the winner's bracket against LSU. I, I don't think Jerry would have pitched anybody but well, I mean, Summer because I don't, of that. I don't, I don't know. And, I don't know. And I'm not saying it was the right move. I just think with her mentality going into this game, the mindset was I came back from my senior year for moments like this. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work. Well, um, but, as, as much as I might agree with you, at the same time, here, here's my point. You, you, you didn't come back for regional semifinals against LSU. You came back to go to Oklahoma City. And if that means pitching Kendra Lamb in that winner's bracket game against LSU, that's what it means. Well, I've I've got a I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that Summer Ellison, and, and I don't know this for sure. I do not know this. Um I'm really speculating here. I have a feeling that Summer Ellison said, this is my game to pitch. Well, that's what I was, that's my point. That's what I'm trying to say. It but, was but, give me the ball. But, but you see, that's, that's a problem. That, that's I, not. I think, pro, I think problem's a stretch. I think you earned that over the course of five years. Um, I don't necessarily, but but what, what, what I don't the necessarily reason, disagree with the the decision to let her start the game. If she told Jerry that she was good to go, I don't I don't disagree with it either. But at but the same time, at the same time, I don't want to hear that after the game. Right, right. You know I mean? But here, my my point my point is this: you know, you you bring up the you you talked about the Scott Doman Andy Grove situation earlier. Yeah, it comes down to it when you're the leader of that when you're the leader of that team, I don't care what kind of statistics you've put up throughout your career, blah, blah, blah. If you're not the hot hand, you have to be able to recognize that and say, it's better for the team. If blank goes out, you have to be able to do that. And I mean, and and again, this is all speculation, but I don't think Summer Ellison did that, and I, I think it cost us. I think hindsight's twenty twenty now. I mean, we're saying this now because, you know, we saw what happened on Saturday. Um, and look, I, man, I didn't want to talk about that game, but I'll say it. That LSU team, really the LSU team this year, from what I saw this weekend. Oh, dude, they're, they're, going, me, they're going to Oklahoma City. They are. But they, remind me of, they remind me of our team back in 2014 when we went to Oklahoma City that year. Uh, they've got speed. They got great slap hitters who can bunt. They can get on base. Their leadoff reminded me a lot of Katie Smith. You know, slap hitter always got on base. Uh, they had the right power hitters, the right hitters in the right in the right uh, hole of the lineup that could just get on base, hit home runs. I saw a lot of similarities between our 14 team uh, that went to Oklahoma City and this team because they're really, you know, honestly, that playing – you know, I know a lot of LSU fans were surprised. I got a few of my LSU friends who called me this weekend going, I don't know how we got a national seed. But this is where I've always had an issue with the Sunbelt Conference in softball, where I think it's always hurt us. 
when you play the toughest schedule, non-conference schedule in America, and then you have the SEC to back you up, you're well polished for the regional. I think what's hurt us in the past is the fact that, yes, we do play tough non-conference schedules. We do play good SEC schools, good Big 12 schools. But when you play 30 games in conference against teams that don't quite have that extra oomph that those non-conference teams have, it doesn't prepare you as much for the regional. Um, I think that worked in LSU's favor this year and the fact that they played the toughest schedule. It was kind of like us last season, right? Playing the toughest schedule leading up to COVID. I mean, we had the number one RPI in the country. That's how the season ended. We were number one in RPI. But I just feel like LSU was a lot more prepared just due to the fact that they were well-polished against the schedule they had. And as good of a schedule we had this year, in spite of four teams or three teams, including us in the Sun Belt making it, I still think that actually helped LSU more than it helped us. And I saw it this year. I saw it with this LSU team. It's probably the best LSU team I've seen on paper probably ever, honestly. I, they're that good. Um, and we still had a shot. That's what's crazy about this. Look, we're losing, losing Taylor Roman, losing Raina O'Neal in the first part of the season, and the fact that we still had a chance to win this region. Not having a 100% Elizabeth Dalton. Yeah, her being out. Uh, I mean, Sierra, I think Sierra Bryan was out for part of the year. I mean, no. like, do you – she wasn't. It was Alyssa Dalton. You're right. It was Alyssa Dalton. But can you imagine having those girls back next season with – even though we're losing summer, we've got the number one, number one high school pitcher in the country or number two high school pitcher in the country coming in and some pitching depth to that with Kendra. Hopefully if Kendra stays – but just imagine what we can well just imagine what we could do next year like with a healthy team in spite of going toe to toe with probably one of the best LSU teams on paper it, it i'm it's i know i'm kind of getting ahead of myself on what the future looks like but if that's what i saw this weekend without our two two of our key starters well, that have been out all season right i, I mean there, I'm there's very optimistic there's there's no there, there's no question about that and you know sunday in, in game one, Kendra Lamb goes complete game, three hits, five Ks. Outstanding. 97 Outstanding. pitches. Yeah, a, a gem of a performance in that 2 nothing victory. Um, and then, you know, I, I think Jerry Glasgow made a great decision to trot her back out in game seven. Um, you know, she only got two and two-thirds innings out of that game, five hits, three earned. Um, but again, you know, I just I think that she was the hot hand. She said, "Coach, I'm good to go." I mean, what 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 do you what do you say at that point? But you know the the thing that the the thing that I found interesting in this game, and the thing that I found that gave me optimism for the future, is you know in this ball game at one point, what were we down eight to two, eight to one, eight to one, it was seven. It was seven to one. Then it was seven to three. Uh, Bailey yeah. Curry hit a two-run shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so seven, seven to one at one point to battle back to make it eight to five. I mean that that says a lot about the grit and the determination of your program to say, hey, no matter how far we're down, we still have a shot to come back and win this. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, and that's one thing about then, that's one thing about this softball team that they've always had. They, and then you know, let's let's. Let's talk about this. You know, out of the out of the six that that played the six girls in the batting order from our lineup in game seven, we're returning three of them next year. 
not to mention Taylor Roman, more than likely Raina O'Neill. Um, Bailey Curry will be coming back next year. So, and then you you brought up the number one high school pitcher in the country. Uh, we just got a transfer from Texas A and M. I'm sure there's a couple more transfers coming down the pipeline. Knowing Jerry Glasgow, I mean you're you're already building a team for 2022 that can be another fantastic program for you coming down the stretch. Look, it's a disappointment in our program when we're not in the top 25. So, you know, we're going to be, once again, another top 25 team. I think uh, we're going to be very competitive again. We're going to make a regional again. I think we're going to win a championship, a conference championship again. And so that's sort of the standard. You know, you want to talk standards, that's a standard. And that's a standard of this program in that, you know, in spite of injuries, in spite of having some, a little bit of a roller coaster ride, middle of the year, summer not being herself, losing, uh, Taylor Roman losing uh, Rain O'Neill, lo- you know, losing Alyssa Dalton for a little while, and still battling and grinding. I mean, look, the team went what twenty-seven and three in conference, and you know, it's it's um it's amazing, man. It's just amazing on what what we've been able to do in spite of the injuries. So it's um it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, but. Very proud of this team. Tip my hat off to the Cajun softball team. And, you know, uh, now we now all eyes are on baseball. What is baseball going to do this weekend? That uh, Actually, I want to hear you guys. I want to hear your predictions on that. What do you all think about baseball this weekend, this conference tournament? We're winning yeah, a championship. We I just want to say softball. Look, there's so many positives that come out of what happened. You had a team that's decimated by injury, and they played on a final Sunday for to win a regional in Baton Rouge. I mean – I don't care who you are. That is an accomplishment. I mean, I know that our sites were set higher than that, but in a month you'll, you'll, you'll reflect on this and you'll say, damn, that was impressive. So uh, I just want to say thanks to the girls for scrapping and clawing and representing us well, like they always do. Yeah. I mean, look, you put it perfectly, no question about it. Anytime you can have your back against the wall six games into the season. Because, I mean, six games into the year, you lost both Roman and O'Neal by that point. To be to be in that situation and still come out 44-10 and 10 in the regular season, conference champs, almost hosting a regional. I mean, if you, if you look at the RPI, they weren't far off. They weren't. Um, you know, you, you, win, you win one of those regular season games against LSU. You beat a Baylor team. You don't drop conference games, you're hosting. I mean, plain and simple. Um, so, so to be in that scenario with the injuries, and like you said, still push it to the limit in game seven and mount a seventh inning comeback, no less, in that game seven. Uh, it, it says a lot about the, the talent of this team, the talent of the coaching staff, and what they're going to be able to do with this group of girls in 2022. I mean, there, there's no question about it. This team, 2022 might be a better year for Louisiana softball than 21 was, which is which I is agree. incredibly optimistic. We have a lot of talent coming in. Um, but to answer your question, Jerry, about the, the baseball tournament wrapping up, um, I, I think we go to Montgomery, take care of business, and walk out with the conference championship. I think that that's all. I mean, that's are, always my that's always we're going to go take care of business. Well, look, we're the only 
<clears throat> excuse me, we're the only school that had three players on the all conference uh, mentioned, you know, Drake Osborne, shout out to my guy, newcomer of the year. Uh, first team, all conference, Cook, Fitzy, and I think it was Drake, right? So that's the three there yeah. on the all conference team. Um, like you said, Cook had an excellent uh, bid for being pitcher of the year. Uh, we obviously are highly thought of around this league. So it's not crazy to think that the number one seed out of the West would go on and win the championship. At the same time, I'll never say that before it starts because, well, let's just be honest. I'm, I'm superstitious. So uh, if you've ever played baseball all day in your life, you're superstitious. superstitious. So um, I think that there are a couple of different scenarios where we have an opportunity to win a championship. I think we have to pitch and somebody has got to get hot somebody and preferably one of the three Kemple, Ben, or, or Drake. You know, I mean, Drake can't get much hotter than he's been for two months. So hopefully Fitzgerald will start hitting a couple bombs here and there, um, like we saw in the middle of the season. But really want to see Kemp get started. We need it really badly. Uh, would like to see Bobby continue to hit the baseball. Um, I think we've, if we can be serviceable at the dish and fight a pitcher, game in and game out for the next week, I think we have an opportunity to win. I think that, and I think the numbers bear this out. We are at least in the top three uh, teams in this league. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to make a prediction. Fair enough, man. I, first of all, I want to congratulate Coach Daggs and this team on on just scrapping. Uh, you know, they've we've all know they've had their ups and downs this season. Um, we know that they've been, in, you know, they've had some momentum and they've had some slumps. And in spite of that, we're sitting here with, you know, talking about how this team won the Western division, um, you know, and this is coach Deggs' first full year. Uh, this team is still fairly new. I still think I, even at this point, man, I still think they're really learning about each other. And, you know, these past three weeks, I'm hoping that everything's kind of coming to fruition. You know, you sweep up a, a bad North Alabama team, but you sweep, you sweep them. You know, we were talking before the, that week, Hey, they may drop a game with our luck, right? We've had some bad luck. By the way, that, that, that bad U, uh, UNA team, North Alabama, they just went to uh, Vandy and lost by a run the week after we played them. So I don't really know how bad they were. They, they lost by two to, uh, to Alabama earlier in the season. So Crazy. they weren't Crazy. dog meat. And to your point, Jerry, not to cut you off, I apologize, but just yeah, real quick, good. you beat UTA on the road, then you come home and beat a very good Troy team. We're playing good baseball at the right time and we're trending and that's what's important to me yeah no question that's exactly why you took the words right out of my mouth you know we've won the last seven out of nine uh four of those wins have been against really good competition and uta i mean you go you went to their house and you took two out of three you know you that 15 inning game you know earlier in the year we might drop that game but i thought that game it was very very significant the fact that the bullpen pulled through and just our experience helped us we came back, you had a, you know, Cook didn't pitch the best game, got the job done, and then Troy, lose the first game, win the next two with pitching. You do that, you keep that momentum going. I think going into this week, we have a really, really, really good chance. Just get out of this pool, get to the semifinals. We've got the, we've got the horses in the stable to get it done. So best of luck to the baseball team. Let's go win a championship and let's go to a regional. Cajun Nation, you've been great as always. We'll have this up on social media tomorrow. Stay tuned for that one. As always, go Cajuns.